Oh, hi. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky ones that got out and all the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and am uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. This is another bonus episode. And today we are going to do listener letters because it's been a little bit since we've done that. Most of the bonus episodes have been me rage screaming into the mic, which is fun and cathartic for me, but y'all are probably sick of hearing me whine. So instead of doing a very researched ranty episode, which I've been doing lately, I'm going to read some of what y'all have sent in. And we are so grateful when y'all send in your emails. The email address here, if you want to send us your receipts, also your stories, is servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled exactly as you would think, servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And even if you just want to send us a little bit of love, we're down for that too. It doesn't have to be a listener letter slash story, but we love those. So we've gotten a few. We've been collecting them as we do and saved them all up for you in this episode. So we're going to go right in. And weirdly, two of our three are anonymous letters. And that's okay. But I think the first one has to be from a friend that worked with me in one of these jobs because the person I think it is already knows the story and has always wanted me to tell it on, on the air. So I'm not going to say your name, but I think this is you in case it isn't. If it's just another listener, thanks. Uh, The email says, tell us your best story of being in the weeds. And it says anonymous. Okay, well, I have several. And just for anyone who hasn't worked in a restaurant, being in the weeds basically means that kind of what you would think, that you can't get your head above water and that you are looking around and you're just covered and you're slowly getting swallowed by all of the demands and the humans and the management and the every everything about being at the job, especially if you care, you can just be in the weeds and not know it if you don't give a shit about your job, which I'm a little bit envious of the people that can float into a restaurant job and just be like, oh, I don't care about any of this. (laughs) I wish I had a little bit more of that at most of my jobs. But being in the weeds is, for example, uh, something small that could happen would be you got sat by the hostess four tables at the exact same time, you're immediately in the weeds. Or you got sat by, you know, and it's two tables at the exact same time, which is totally doable, but they both have very specific allergy demands, tons of questions about the menu. And every time you go back to the table, they have something else that they want to add to the list. All the while you're also getting sat during that time, that'll get you in the weeds. Uh, a keg kicking in the middle of a shift, meaning uh, the beer that the person ordered is now going to take 15 minutes. It feels like it's probably only five, but it feels like 15 minutes. That sets you off. It can be the slightest thing, especially if your restaurant is busy, then getting in the weeds is very, very easy. So uh, it can also be called drowning. It can also look like someone quitting and leaving. Uh, <laughs> the weeds looks different to to you, depending on how you work. Some people love it because it makes the shift go by quickly. I hate it. And it just takes very little to get sent down the rabbit hole of the weeds. And the story that comes to mind, I have, you know, in my, I've been alive for 612 years and I've worked in restaurants for 611 of those. So I have so many stories of being in the weeds and getting my ass absolutely handed to me. But the one that comes to mind that was the most frustrating because, and I've, I can't remember if I've told it before. So 
longtime loyalists of the podcast, you can email me and tell me that I've already told the story. If I have, I may have also told it on a different podcast. Who knows? This particular story just comes to mind, I think because it was a holiday and I wasn't with my family. And you would think that on working holidays, people would just be so much nicer to you because, you know, they're out having a good time because it's their holiday as well. And you're working and you would think, oh, they're going to just have this huge, enormous capacity to be awesome. And unsurprisingly, they often do not. So it was working at the comedy club that I worked at before everything got shut down. And it was actually Thanksgiving. I think it was Thanksgiving 20. No, it wouldn't have been 2020, 2019, I believe. Anyway, it was Thanksgiving day. And that day we had spent the the manager, one of the managers of the club was really nice and would let us go to his house. And we would have this big, you know, potluck Thanksgiving for all of the, what would you call us? Like the Island of Misfit toys that weren't at home because we couldn't either, couldn't afford to tick it back or it made sense to go later or whatever, or we're scheduled to work and couldn't get the time off. That was my situation. And so in, there was only one room open of the three that are available at that club. And like I said, it was Thanksgiving day. Normally the room that we were working seats about 150, but in this particular (laughs) lovely day, they had squeezed, I think 175 people in there because they had, you know, just if you squeeze people tightly on the benches and if you add a chair here or there, you're going to get, you're going to maximize your space, right? Well, there were normally three servers scheduled for that room. And we love, you know, the, the people that have been there a long time are like, there used to just be one person that would work there and it'd be filled with 200 people. You know, those old stories of like how it's so much worse than maybe it probably actually was. But there should be three servers in that room for how quickly everything turns. Now, a lot of times the way that that club works is that people look at it or the, the people that haven't <laughs> served and decide the schedule have look at it as well you have four hours to get your whole section their two drinks and that's totally reasonable that is true if there's only one show in that room which there was this particular night so in theory you have four hours because that's the length of the show roughly but the the thing that they don't or that some people don't factor in is that that's all well and good if the customers are willing to wait an hour for their second round or don't want an immediate drink right away. Because if you seat 175 people essentially simultaneously, which is basically what they do, then the expectations of the person sat at the last table are the same as the person sat at the front table. So Everybody sat at the same time. And as I've said before, the timer starts. As soon as a customer is seated at a table, their internal clock starts going. And they're like, okay, now it's time to get a drink. Now it's time for this. Now it's time for that. I've done it too. I mean, I'm not I'm not immune to that expectation. But the problem with that timer starting is that when 175 people have the same timer that begins at the exact same moment, and granted, everybody doesn't drink at the same pace, so it won't necessarily be that table one and table 25 are drinking at the same rate, but they might have empty glasses for the same amount of time. And that can mean something different to someone who's a slow drinker and is is actually there for the comedy versus the person who's there to get drunk. So it depends on people's expectations. But anyway, so on this particular holiday, there were supposed to be three servers in that room. And one of the servers allegedly had guard trouble or whatever. Weirdly was at the same party we all were. And then all of a sudden couldn't make it to work. Whatever. But that left us with only two people. Now you can do the math. 175 divided by two is roughly just over 80 people per person. And that should be completely feasible in four hours. 
but it was Thanksgiving and the people that were there wanted to go off. I mean, they wanted to have themselves a great time. The second thing that made it really tough besides that obvious expectation level was the lights were not working in the way that they should, like the neon lights were not working in the room the way that they should. And so the only light in the entire room was the spotlight that was on stage And you can kind of adjust to that, but you really can't see the people in the very back and they also can't see you. So now there's this heightened frustration of why can't I see anything (laughs) on both sides? They can't see the menu and they get yelled at if they turn their flashlights on on their phone and we can't see them. So I'm absolutely kicking people in the shins, never on purpose in this case. I mean, maybe it is sometimes, but it definitely wasn't this night. And what happened was because it was Thanksgiving, there were no other servers in the room. There were no other shows going on. And because there were no other shows going on, there was no, there was no other commotion. So it was me and this one other server and one bartender, maybe two bartenders. I don't remember, but it was all very slow. So normally the room is sat. I mean, it's all sat at the same time, but it's sat at somewhat of a fluctuating pace in that. Okay. The first row, then the second row, then the third row, but it all happens roughly within five to 10 minutes. Well, the the whole room was sad and no one told us. So people were sitting in there waiting for their drinks already. So the timer had started and we didn't know. We being me and the other server that was on. And the manager did say, should I have someone come in and cover for this third person? But didn't ask me, ask the other server in the room. The other server was like, we got it. We're strong. I'm a really strong server and so is she. But I didn't want my ass handed to me on Thanksgiving. Like I just didn't, I, I really pretty much don't ever, but I certainly didn't on this holiday because I had just eaten my face off. I was super full. Like I just, I wasn't feeling like, you know, running a marathon immediately after. And so now we know there's just going to be two of us. So I'm mentally preparing for that all the while the room is fully sat with 170 plus bodies. Nobody tells us. And then she just happens to go into the room and she's like, oh my God, Kate, the entire room is sat. And I was like, oh, cool. Then by the time I get to the front row, the lights go out in the room and the show has begun. Now, usually you have that five to 10 minute buffer where you can get the first handful of orders taken, but that didn't happen. And so the lights are out, can't see anything. And everybody just started hot. I maybe remember waiting on like a couple, maybe two that was understanding and could see the situation as it were. And everybody else was just mad and people kept grabbing me which like as I was I say it all the time please don't touch your servers just don't touch us and they kept grabbing me as if I had somehow had invisible invisibility glasses on and that their table was the one table that I couldn't see and part of why the door guys there are nightmares to work with is they won't ex- not all of them some of them will explain the process but most of them are just there to get their under the table money And so they don't explain the process of your server does see you, you know, she knows you're here. It's just going to be a little bit before she gets to you because she has to go in order. They explain none of that. So these people, I mean, to defend the customers, they don't know the process. So they don't understand that we are eventually going to get to them, but we have to go in order. They just think they're being ignored because I'm sure some servers have done that to them in the past and whatever, or they just think, oh, she can't see me. So I don't think it's always malicious of like, serve me now. I think it's, They just don't understand the process. And because the jackass door guys didn't explain it to them, there's no way that they can, they they don't have a built-in patience. They just think, I got to get this drink thing sorted and then I can enjoy the show. Anyway, so the whole room is that. It's a goddamn nightmare. And I never caught up. 
the whole night. And I was like right on the edge of tears. Cause also it's a holiday. It's a family holiday. I'm not with my family. I am in the weeds in some comedy club, watching other people's dreams come true and working on a holiday that has no religious affiliation. It's just a holiday that everybody happens to have off except for people in service. And we chose it and I'm not, I was fine with working the day, but I wasn't fine with getting shit on whilst working the day. It would have, and you would think that on the holidays, people would be like, oh, you know, having a thought that this human waiting on them might also have humans in their lives that care about them and that they may want to be with and that they aren't with. They are currently at work. We're not heroes. We don't deserve you being like, oh no, you know, here's $500. Although yes, please. We don't necessarily, I'm not saying that that is the expectation, but like just being kind as your baseline, you should be kind anyway but especially on a holiday. Are you serious? This is the day. This is the day you're really going to turn it up. So anyway, we see that the whole room is sat and can't ever get out of the weeds. And then I'm fairly certain it was probably two bartenders, but the something happened with, we, we ran out of, I think Corona and then ran out of something else. And it just happened that my section had a lot of people drinking the things that we ran out of. And so I would then have to spend extra time at the table explaining what the equivalent would be. And like, I'm sorry, Corona is beer. What do you think the equivalent is? But it would be so much heavy sighing, disappointment, as if I were the barrier to entry for this beer that they had to have. This like piss water in a can or a bottle. They had to have that one brand. And I understand people have preferences. I get it. But the hemming and hawing whilst someone is performing on stage and the, you know, but I already had one. Are, are you kidding? I mean, we've already had that. And it's like, yeah, okay. You already had that Corona. Right. And now it's gone. I, uh, I don't have a different way to frame this for you other than, um, when you drink something and then it goes into your body, a bottle doesn't get birthed every time you consume one, a factory has to get involved and a delivery service. So your consumption of a beer means that beer goes away. It doesn't mean another beer is born in a different room. And I didn't know how else to explain it. And then I started to get obviously frustrated and I was sad and I was all of those things. And at a certain point when you're in the weeds, and this is where it got to for me, you just stop and you either stand by the POS or you stand by the bar and you just accept the fact that everyone's going to be mad at you. You're never going to get caught up and your tips are absolutely going to reflect that. And that's a hundred percent what happened. I think I made $50 that night and I waited on, like I said, like almost a hundred people. It was like, it was just over 80 and it was a holiday. I got, I just kept repeatedly getting stiffed and listen, I understand when you don't understand the process working at a comedy club is really hard, but also being a customer at a comedy club is really hard because your brain conceptually thinks this is a restaurant that happens to have somebody talking in front of you, but it still seems like a restaurant because they serve food and beverages. Well, that is a restaurant. So I, I understand the idea that if you have it in your brain that you're going to a restaurant experience, then this is subpar service. No question. It is because I'm maybe going to touch your table three times the whole night. And the fourth time I touch it, you're getting a check. I mean, so I, I completely understand that it is a miscommunication on both sides, 
But the other thing that happens when you're in the weeds is you start slipping and getting bad at basic stuff because especially it's only if you care, if you're in the weeds and you don't care, you're probably thriving. Like I've seen people in the weeds that work there that were just hammered and just didn't care and it was fine and they didn't get stiffed every five seconds. But when you care and it's obvious, I think sometimes customers exploit that and they can tell you're exasperated and they can tell that you're frustrated and they can tell that you aren't going to get a handle on it so that they can have a power trip over that. And so not only do they lord the money over you, they lord the experience over you and they make it worse by their attitudes. So that is for sure. That was the worst time of being in the weeds. And I never caught up. I just never did. And then I that night also, this is a nightmare. So we take all of the credit cards at the place where I used to work and you keep them in a specific order because then you're like, all right, table 10 is this card table, blah, blah, blah. If you don't keep them in that order, you can also make a note on the computer, which I would do too, of like, all right, the last four of this, you know, card goes with this table or whatever. It's an added step, but you're holding on to their credit card. How else are you going to organize it? I dropped all the cards at one point because like I said, when you get in the weeds and you start getting bad at something, there's no there's no sort of getting uh, your head above water. So then it's just compiled and compact and, and crap on top of crap. I drop all the cards and I'm like, well, I hope I found them all. That's your first fear because it's so dark. You're thinking, well, one of those cards could have gone under any myriad table or, you know, just under the POS and I'll just never see it again. Or then you're thinking, okay, cool. I found all the cards. I sure as heck hope that some of this is in some semblance of an order so that when inevitably all the tables want to close out at the same time, because that happens to you, even if the show is four hours long, most people have about a two to two and a half hour time when they're willing to stay seated. And then most everybody wants to leave at the same time with the exception of maybe five of your tables. You just hope and pray. And you won't know if you lost a card because you don't have time. You won't know if you lost a card until it's time for that particular table to cash out. And you're like, okay, so that's the card that's gone. (laughs) That's the card that fell. And, you know, a lot of tables think that you're taking their cards and then just going on the back computer and and having yourself a field day uh, on Zappos or whatever. You're not. There's simply not enough time for that. But the, it, it inevitably, the table whose card you lost was the table that was the most reticent to give you their card in the first place. It's a nightmare. It's the perfect storm. And yeah, that was the most in the weeds I'd been. Like I said, for a holiday and for just life in general, I think I made 50 bucks that night and waited on 80, 80 plus people. So you do the math on how well I was crushing the game or how well it was perceived that I was. That's the most in the weeds I've ever been. And I was right on the brink of tears the whole night because again, I care and I shouldn't, I really shouldn't because it's just, as I always say to everyone, it's burgers and beer. It's not there. It's disgusting chicken fingers and comedy, but it's essentially burgers and beer. It's simply not that serious. And you would be shocked at how seriously people take their comedy experience, which I don't understand, but at all. And if it's that serious for you, put a flask in your purse. We're not checking your purses. Put a flask in your purse and have yourself a good time. Most of y'all are doing cocaine in the bathroom. You're willing to be patient enough for that insane experience. So treat the booze at a busy comedy club like it's your cocaine. Bring it yourself. So yeah, the worst of me being in the weeds. Not the only, but the worst. And no, I never I never got ahead of the, of the, of the ball or whatever the hell you want to say. Ahead of the, of the bread. What's a restaurant way to say that? I never got ahead of the booze. I don't know. That feels like that doesn't make sense either. I'm crushing it. Here we go. So yeah, Thanksgiving Day. And yeah. Oh, and a couple of people stood up during the show. <laughs> and then my favorite thing that I heard more than once that night was, oh, you must be new. No, bitch. I just must be drowning. But I would just say, yeah, I am. 
I lied. I was like, yeah, I've been here a week <laughs> thinking that would help. And it didn't. Um, all right. Our next email comes from who is it from? Chris. Hi, Chris. Doesn't say you didn't put where you're from. That's okay. Chris writes, did you see the story of how a Lakers server at the stands spilled all of her shit onto the front section and LeBron picked her right up and made sure she was okay? Oh, no, I did not see that story. Yes, I'm certain that happened. Not even going to fact check it because it's so on brand for LeBron. And I'm going to assume that this happened at Staples Center, although it may not have. Uh, but they were filming the front row, I would assume. Or if you saw the story, it's probably involving the front row. And that server basically has to walk partially onto the court to serve drinks to the front row of that really bougie celebrity slash rich person section. And so I would imagine maybe she spilled on the court. Uh, and that would be mortifying. That sucks anyway. Like you just know server unless you're a sociopath really like spilling on humans. It's really one of our top five fears. And I would assume that she wasn't hand holding. I would assume she was tray passing. And if your tray gets bumped or if you don't balance it perfectly, yep, all that beer and all that soda is going everywhere. So, oh, that must have been embarrassing. So LeBron must have seen it, picked her up. And that's really lovely. And he's really lovely. And I'm very pro LeBron. So, you know, I love that he's a Laker now and that he's close by, although I preferred him on the Cavs. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't see that story and I love it. And um, be like LeBron, everybody. Be like LeBron. Do, do the nice thing that he did. Pick someone up when they fall. Don't expect your servers to do it all for you. You know, he was focused on the game where he is at the Olympic level of playing the sport and he still was able to help someone. Why doesn't more of that happen? Why in customer service is it a lot of yelling and not a lot of picking each other up? I think we should do that. On that same note, no, people didn't write in about this, but I did read an article about a Starbucks employee got accused of slapping a woman in the face with a wet towel after she asked for her drink to be remade. And I read the story about it and I was just like, you know, look, I'm not pro slapping people in the face, but a big, big mood. If someone's constantly asking for their, you know, for specificity that you can't please them with, because I've been on the receiving end of that. Now, if she just wanted her drink remade and you slapped her in the face. And that's a bit too far. But, you know, the story made it seem as if she was demanding, although it did also make it seem like the employee was out of line. So there was probably a balance there. But I don't know if y'all have seen um, I'm going on. This is not in an email to us, but I don't know if y'all have seen those insane Starbucks orders. I think it's on like Reddit or something. Someone's been tracking pictures of some of what these Starbucks employees have to do to make these drinks for mobile orders or even for people that come up, but it's mostly mobile orders because you get to get crazy specific and um, stop doing that. If your order has more than four instructions with it or more than six ingredients or whatever, for a coffee, A, you're not drinking coffee anymore. Now you're drinking modified milkshakes that you in your head have decided are not milkshakes because, well, I guess it's better, easier to mentally handle. I don't know what. Stop doing that. Stop doing those orders. Um, but the the slap in the face may have been related to that. I don't really know. Didn't seem like it from the article, but, you know, there's two sides. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, so thanks, Chris, for telling me. I'm going to look that story up, but I, I may not because I just believe it because LeBron is great pro pro mr james now this last email isn't really asking a question but jessica sent us this in and um oh i just i just feel for her and i wanted to or i think her i don't know if jessica identifies as female but for the in purposes of this we'll just assume that 
Um, feel free to email me back and correct me. Jessica was explaining, she had written in to explain, uh, she was responding to the labor shortage email or email. Good night, Kate. What are you doing? Well, well, what's this medium? What am I doing? Am I speaking into a mic or am I emailing? Um, anyway, Jessica was responding to the story where we discussed the labor shortage and the just shut up and work, I think is what I called it. So she had written in and explained part of the, the sort of the other perspective that I hadn't presented, which I totally is right. I don't know why I hadn't thought of this too, as to why there's not as many employees. So she writes, I am a server that moved on during the pandemic to be a virtual EA executive assistant. I was warned about how hard it was going to be and how my boss was a real pill scared as hell. I still took the job because I could just not, I just could not fathom another day in a restaurant that was open during the panda. (laughs) What I call it now, because I can't ever hear that other word again. That's funny during the panda. I'm going to tell you, my boss has nothing on a table of 20 that all wants separate checks that who you hook who you hook up with by ringing in waters for their sodas and then they tip you $5 total all caps as they make their time as they take their time leaving not at all embarrassed that they left not even a 1% tip on a bill that broke my soul my boss wants his dry cleaning at an exact time at his office on a tuesday and you know what i can make happen that you know what i don't miss doing asking the kitchen to invent a dish because of your fake allergy and then having you tell me it isn't exactly what you wanted and why didn't they use more red pepper flakes really this has happened i can meet the specific but possible demands of one person i cannot meet the the demands of a table of even two people when they are not realistic and also require me to basically become a demanding version of myself that I hate. Everyone assumes that if we work at a restaurant, we don't care and we don't really want to be there. That isn't always true. And it is so hurtful that when we do care, you treat us as if we don't. That burnt a lot of us out. If you aren't getting great service now, you can assume that it that this is at the very least a part of it. We have left. Thanks, Jessica. Uh, this this was something I hadn't considered, and a hundred percent is right that a lot of people were tired of making two thirteen an hour or minimum wage out here in LA, but that you know is not sustainable without tips or is not livable without tips. A lot of people left the industry, and I think that that is something that I just hadn't factored in. Was that a lot of people? Ha- it's a transferable skill set, and. I believe that oh, maybe it was Gordon Ramsay, although I'm not certain who the quote has who who said the quote. But it's a CEO has said he would much rather he'd prefer to hire people that had worked in a restaurant because we have such adaptable skill sets and that we can handle a lot of chaos at once, and that restaurant work makes you good at a lot of things. And so I think you know the transition from working in a restaurant to becoming an executive assistant for a demanding boss is so lateral. That's just such a move that makes total sense. So you know Jessica's point is so good here that I hadn't thought of too. It's you're meeting the demands of one person. Now, granted, I'm not here for the abusive boss ever. I I don't. That sounds awful, and I've done it, and it is awful. And working for one crazy person, you may as well have 52 tables of 20 all in a row who wants separate checks. I mean, it's really, really difficult to work for someone abusive. But, you know, her making the comparison that, yep, she can get her boss's dry cleaning to his office on a Tuesday at this exact time. That is a reasonable, well, reasonable is relative, but that's that's a request that she can honor and she can make sure happens short of the dry cleaning company or you know location shutting down or whatever for the most part she can make that happen pretty easily 
it's the demands like she mentions in this email that are essentially reinventing a recipe or similar to actually to that Starbucks thing that I brought up before, ironically. You know, if you're asking a restaurant to do a lot of steps, I understand if you're at a restaurant for a business meeting and you had to go out and you're thinking, you know, I, I wouldn't normally eat here and I have dietary restrictions and okay, I get that. But there's always something that you can order even with dietary restrictions, even if it's just an iced tea or something to participate or whatever. If you are, you know, a table of 20 that is putting them through the ringer, you're not going to be the last table that that server sees. You're going to be one of several for that evening, that day, that night, that whatever. And so your crazy demands as a table of 20 where you tip her less than 1%, you're not going to be the only one she sees that treats her that way, but also you're not going to be the only one she sees that has a list of things that need to get addressed. And so it's such a difficult and enormously specific position to be in where you have to refuel differently for every single table that you're going to go touch because it's a new table and a new experience. At least one boss that's a bit of a pill to use her language is someone that can become relatively predictable, you know, short of them, I don't know, shooting it in their arm or whatever. And maybe that makes them erratic, but for the most part, you can understand that your boss really likes a black coffee with one Splenda at a certain temperature every morning. Well, you can make that happen. It sort of becomes routine and it's relatively predictable. I don't know what a table of 20 is going to ask me to do. I don't even know if they're going to tip me. And so you are doing the sort of dance and the, you know, shining the shoes situation, hoping that something is going to be rewarded. Whereas if you're an EA, you have in theory your salary. So you're going to make the same no matter what. And you want to keep your job. So you're going to remain relatively consistent. And it can be sort of robotic. I don't think that waiting tables ever really gets robotic. That's why I think every shift is so tiring is that it's never really robotic. So Jessica, great point. Uh, I wish I knew what part of the country you were from because I would be interested to see if this is um, more of a problem in your area versus others. I know that uh, from what I've just heard and seen in LA and New York, they're having a really hard time filling hospitality positions. And I was in, uh, I'm going to shout them out because I love their rice so much. I can't stand it. Uh, Panda Express. I was there last night for some rice because their rice is so good. (laughs) I don't know what it is about their rice, but it's awesome. Sponsor this podcast. And I saw they had a now hiring sign in there in this one particular location in North Hollywood out here. And it said starting salary, 1850 an hour for frontline. So I, I'm assuming those are the people that make sure that the food is, I mean, a busy Panda Express, you can get your ass kicked. I've seen them and they, that's a hard job too. But I'm assuming when it says frontline, that means the people that make sure there's enough orange chicken to satisfy our grubby little mitts or whatever else. And it said uh, chef, I think it said chef, maybe it said cook. I don't remember the wording, but it was like twenty two fifty for the um, the people on the line and the in the back or whatever, dealing with all the heat and the whatnot. I mean, if a big corporation has to start shelling out for their and their CEOs are making millions a year and they have to they have to pay more to get good labor good. You should. I don't have a ton of compassion for these multi-million dollar companies that are now having to shell out more to their bottom line or to their baseline employees who are why they are millionaires. I just don't feel bad about that. But back to Jessica's email. I do. I feel for you, Jessica. I'm glad that you found a different job. I'm glad that you're, it seems like you like that job or 
it's at least better than what you were doing. And during the panda, to use your word, you must have been having to work at a restaurant because a lot of restaurants closed for like a month and then came up with a solution of outdoor seating and whatnot. And I have friends who worked at work in restaurants who basically got a month off and then immediately went right back to work kind of in April or May. And so they didn't really get all the time off that a lot of us did. And they certainly didn't get a break from the expectations or the demands. And so I would imagine that, you know, executive, virtually executive, executive assistanting someone. So not meaning not having to go in the office really all that much, but apart from apparently dropping off dry cleaning is probably a hell of a lot easier. I mean, even driving all around LA is easier than dealing with a table of 20 or, or, you know, getting 175 people sat at the same time. So yeah, I get it, girl. I get it. I totally get it. And I understand why that would be a lateral move that might have a bit of more of a silver lining. So yeah, that's going to do it for us this episode. Thank you so much for the listeners who wrote in for Jessica and Chris and for anonymous that wrote the first one that I think is a friend. We just really appreciate y'all. And thank y'all so much for listening. If you yourself have any stories or receipts, please feel free to send them to us at service from at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please remember to rate, re- subscribe, tell your friends. This is a grassroots movement. And we're just really grateful to all of our new listeners that have popped up as of late. We're super grateful for y'all. Please, please tell your friends. It's always nice to see the numbers. It means we're not just throwing wet paper towels into the void. I hope you all are continuing to be good to each other. And we also love hearing, um, and I've heard this from also from friends, is that, you know, the podcast is making them rethink how they tip. And great. I hope it is. I hope it's having that sort of positive effect. But what I would much prefer is if the podcast is giving you more patience. I, I myself need it. I think we all need it. And allowing ourselves to extend a little bit of grace to the people around us. We all need that as much as we can. So, Yes to being on the receiving end of grace and yes to being on the giving end of grace because it's really fun. Kindness is just easier. So, you know, don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. That's what we say here. We mean it. So thank you all folks for listening. Uh, thank you all for telling your friends. Thanks to our patrons on Patreon. We just, we're just really grateful for how supportive this podcast is. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us over here at Service from Hell. Thank you all so much for listening. Good night. Good night.